This week on Talking Back, we have all the time in the world. Talking Back. Hello, Dean. Hello, Tim. You're here again. I'm here again. I made it. I'm starting this one off a little bit different. I'm a little thrown. Are we recording? We are recording. We're live. Here's the thing. It's been, I think this is our 21st episode. Wow. That's a lot. I think it's time that we graduate you beyond guest, no, part-time co-host to co-host. Wow. I feel like really honored right now. You can see I just got it wrong. I called you guest instead of part-time. So I just need, I, I think it needs to be easier for me and co-host will just make it easier. And you've been doing an excellent job. Thank you, Tim. This is great. So I can I can now start calling this podcast mine as well. That's right. Yeah. We will both be co-hosts of the podcast. Great. So, I, it feels, feels great. So I wanted to fill you in on that so that we can do a normal opening with you as co-host. Awesome. Thank all you. Right. All right. You're welcome. Okay. okay. Give me a second here. Okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back. The podcast where we chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Dean, how's it going? Fantastic. <laughs> Never been better. Well, Emotions feel good. Well, this week, we're talking about a little movie called The Jacket. Now, no one's heard of it. No, Probably a lot of people have not heard or seen this movie, but... This movie is actually the reason that this podcast exists. Yes. Which is interesting. So I believe... Now, I, I watched this movie when it came out. I I used to go back to the movie store. Uh, this, this, this one came out 2005. I would go to the movie store and I'd be looking for B-movies to rent. Yeah. Like movies okay. I hadn't really heard of. Yeah. And just either be pleasantly surprised or... You know, I was never really disappointed. They were never really awful, but you know, sometimes you got a real hit in there. And this is one of them. It was just this, this amazing hit. And I've watched it a ton of times throughout the years. Love it. What happened though was I hadn't watched it in a long time and I rewatched it maybe a year and a half ago and had just forgotten how incredible it was. And I messaged you asking if you'd seen it and you hadn't even heard of this movie. So I was, I was just thinking, Oh, damn it. Dean hasn't seen it. I want to talk to him about this. Uh, ah, shoot. I wish we had some way to talk about it. And then it started to bubble in my head thinking, I wonder, I wonder if we could just have a podcast where we could talk about whatever we wanted to talk about whenever we wanted to talk about it. And that kind of sparked the whole idea for the show. You were working on uh, one or two other podcasts at the time. So there wasn't really an opportunity for that, but some of your other podcasts have slowed down and the timing seemed right. So we gave it a shot and we are having a hell of a hell of a good time with it, right? We are. I'm having a great time with this podcast. So here um, we are. Here we are. It took us 21 episodes to get to it. Yeah. But we got here. And Tim, I don't have these numbers in front of me. I didn't actually do the research. But I'm going to say that our podcast is the only podcast out there that launched because of the movie The Jacket. Probably. Probably. <laughs> this might be the only podcast out there that covers The Jacket. I, I think it might be. But that's unfortunate because it's an incredible movie. And we're going to try to explain why. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that's it for getting into it. For uh, the intro, we could... Sure, yeah. I just want to say that you were right that I when, when you mentioned the jacket to me, I, I thought that 
you know, I've never heard of this movie. I don't know what this movie is. Then when I watched it for the podcast, I realized I was super into this movie when it came out, but I never actually saw it. Oh, okay. I was just like really amped for it because I was kind of the same as you. I was really in this phase around 2005, 2004, where it's like, I just want a movie that's like a B movie that makes me feel weird. All right, then. Here we go. The Jacket, released on March 4th, 2005, to 1,331 theaters. Budget of $29 million. Unfortunately, it only grosses $21 million. So. Seems to be the trend with these movies that we do that are kind of a little bit weird and out there. They don't make a lot of money. Yeah, it's interesting. It's okay, we, we pick, like, weird movies that have big actors in them. That's right. And they don't do really well. We pick... We, we've picked a few blockbusters, but for the most part, it's been these weird movies that we love. Yeah. But they're really, really good. And yeah, like you said, the acting's really good and the directors are usually really good. So they're they're just great movies that maybe a lot of people didn't get to know. So yeah. we're educating the masses. Yeah. Is what we're doing here. Definitely. Right? Because like there are, of course, we'll get to it, but there are two stars in this movie that are popping at this time. Like, yeah. This is oh, both yeah. of these stars. This is their time. This is the peak. Their yeah, peak. This yeah. is their peak. Yeah. All right, so the film is based on a 1915 short story called The Star Rover by Jack London. Did not know that. Yeah, so you know Jack London, right? Yes. Jack London, yeah. I believe he's um, well, he's famous. I believe he's a Canadian um, author who he kind of, he's done some longer stories, but he, some of his shorter stuff is really, really excellent. This short story itself, though, was based upon London's interviews with a gentleman named Ed Morrell. Now, Ed was in prison in San Quentin and was tortured um, often by being put in a straitjacket that would constrict his breathing and his blood flow. So in order to cope with that, he quickly learned how to self-hypnotize. Interesting. Yeah. So kind of based on a loosely based on a true story here. Yeah. And this is already flipping all my ideas about the movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just <laughs> knowing that there was a guy yeah. that this these ideas came from. You got, mean, you've got my a, takes out the window already. Right, you've got a little over an hour to come up with a new take okay, on this. Yeah, you talk and I'm going to think. Okay, okay, good. That's That'll work out just fine. <laughs> so production. Steven uh, Soderbergh is a producer on this film. Cool. Now, Love Soderbergh. Very, very cool. Sounds like a very good guy. Now, what he was doing at this time was he was actually looking for lesser known directors that he liked so he could give them a chance to work with the A-list actors at the time. So... He approaches a director named John Maybury to direct this film. And at the time, Maybury has only directed one feature film up to this time. And I think in his career, he only did three or four. So, yeah, I don't, I, I looked him up on IMDb. I don't know anything else yeah, that well, he did. He has success in short film and he's done some fairly popular music videos. So that's kind of where, where he, okay. uh, he was at. Yeah. Cinematography. Uh, we don't always get into this, but this is a big name. So I thought we would. Peter Deming is his name. So he's worked on Evil Dead 2, My Cousin Vinny, Lost Highway, Scream 234, From Hell, Austin Powers 2 and 3, and Cabin in the Woods, among others. Cool. So this guy's got a, he's got a list of accomplishments. Like a lot of those movies. I like Sim how they look. Similar to my list of accomplishments. <laughs> yeah, Why are you laughing? Right, right up Why there. did you laugh so quick at that? <laughs> you didn't even take a second to think if I had any accomplishments. Uh, okay, right. let, let me think about All it. Right. Let me think about it. Okay. I see. <laughs> I, see how, I see how it's going to be today. After I give you a promotion. Music by Brian Eno. He's an English musician, a producer, visual artist. Now this guy's best known for his work pioneering a genre of music called ambient music. Oh, cool. So pretty big guy. Pretty big yeah. name. Like I don't 
know anything about ambient music, but if you did, this is this is your guy. He invented this, it. This is your dude. Created it. He did, yeah. Well, did I just uh, say he created it? He said, right, well, he, his, pioneered he, he, it. He pioneered it, yeah. His work was a pioneering influence, so... Mm. Different Don't than just make creating. stuff up. Different than creating. It, it, that's di- well, yeah. It it sounds different. Yeah, maybe he did create it, but we're gonna say he helped pioneer it. Okay. Starring Adrian Brody. Boom. Cool. Enough said. Adrian Brody around this time, two thousand five, possibly the number one actor out there. Uh, yeah. Which is probably why I was interested in this movie. Yeah. Because. He's coming off, I mean, it was a couple years prior to this movie, but he's coming off the Oscar. Like, yeah, he's coming off right. winning the Oscar. Um, he's in a M. Night Shyamalan movie after that, The Village. Oh, which, love that movie. Yeah, I like that movie too. Yeah. I like it a lot. So, I forgot he was in that. Yeah. So oh. he's he's coming off the Oscar. He does that big movie. Yeah. And then he's in this. Yeah. And so he's just, he's on a roll right now. Kira Knightley. Boom, boom. Yeah. Double boom. Again, someone who is just super hot right now at the top of her career yep. like at 2005 pirates is out there um and like if you look through her credits in 2004 2005 2006 there's like 10 movies in there yeah. like just pumping them out yep we got chris christopherson now i just love him in anything he does he's he so, can't go wrong he's so great yeah he's great jennifer jason lee same deal yes anything she's in she does a I great really, job i really yeah love i her. really like her and we get daniel craig Daniel Craig. James Bond himself. Pre-James Bond. Pre-James Bond. One year pre-James Bond. Yeah. You know what the thing with him in in, in this movie is? Is he looks like he's 60 years old in this movie. And it's from 2005. I I don't know. I feel like he's like, he's found the way to reverse aging somehow. Totally. The only thing, he he definitely looks older than he looks in Bond. Yeah. But he has, but he has like that slick black hair. Yeah. To like make him look younger, but he actually looks older than he does in Casino Royale. He does. That's why I just, when I was watching it, I just assumed Casino Royale came out before this. I was like, wow, like does Bond and then comes and does this like little cool quirky role. Yeah. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh no, it's in the next year. It looks like this movie should come out in 10 or 15 years from now for how old he looks in it. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. So... Yeah, we'll talk about their character names as we get into this, but we're going to do story breakdown here. We're going to get maybe a little bit more in depth than we normally do. Sometimes we're kind of all over the place. Sometimes we'll do a two sentence storyline, sometimes a little bit more. This one, I think, since a lot of people haven't seen this, that is probably worthwhile digging into it a little bit to help at the end when we kind of let each other know what we think about this movie. I agree. It remind This movie reminds me a lot of Enemy. So yes, going through it sort of the same way as that, Give people the story first. Without the sex den. There was no sex den. No, no, no sex yeah, den in this I was, one. I was shocked. I was I was thinking I was going to put it in and it was going to start with sex den. I thought that's how a psychological thriller start. Uh, yeah, actually, I thought that's how most of them started myself, but I guess not. This one, no. Maybe post-2005 was where all the sex den action came right, in. Right, yeah. yeah. It really took off. Like, it was really uh, hot in the 2010s. Like Pokemon. Right. <laughs> the way Pokemon took off. <laughs> Gotta catch them all. Psychological thriller sex den yeah. started to happen. All right, well, let's get into it. So the movie starts off with some war scenes of the Gulf War. There's buildings being destroyed by uh, Apache helicopter. There's people being shot on the ground. You can hear, like, radio talk over the helicopter microphone but it's like all muffled out super uncomfortable yeah did, a, you, did you feel really uncomfortable at this point totally and a real interesting way to start the movie because the gulf war um was kind of talked about as like the video game war because they were actually showing footage of those bombers bombing right so like 
if you go on Wikipedia and you Google Gulf War, you're going to see images that look exactly like the beginning of this movie. Well, this movie was live footage. Okay. This was okay. actual footage of people being killed and buildings being destroyed. Very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. And they're they're using like this weird music. Like keep in mind that the, the guy who did the music created the ambient music genre. So he does a fantastic job in this, but there's a lot of weird kind of eerie music going on. They're doing some quick flash editing, which also makes you a little bit uncomfortable. And it and it's almost not even eerie music. It's like nice music. Yeah. Which it is. is what makes the eerie feeling. Yeah. You're watching these horrible things happen and the music is kind of light. Yeah. And 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 not ominous. Like it it it's it, it really gets this weird feeling. Yep. So we see Adrian Brody's character, John Starks. As part of the U.S. troops. And looks like they're rounding up some of, like, an insurgents or something. Jack. What did I say? John. Oh, I'm sorry. Jack. Yeah, Jack Starks. Yeah, yeah they're rounding up some insurgents. And he sees a, a young a young boy. And the young boy looks pretty frazzled, obviously, about the situation. So Jack wants to comfort him. Uh, walks over to him. Kind of puts his gun down. Put, takes his helmet off. And just is trying to calm him. And this this boy pulls out a gun and shoots him in the head. Yeah, and in this point, Jack seems like the only one who would want to talk to this kid. Yeah. Right? His The, the other officers out there were saying, you know, get rid of everyone. Take care of everybody. And he, he's saying, well, it's a kid. So, well, what do I care? Like, this is sort of the attitude of everyone else there. Yeah. So when he approaches the kid, you already know, like, okay, well, he's he's got some empathy. Yeah. He wants to um, talk to this kid. You know, it, it's just a kid. Yeah, exactly. So he pulls out a gun and shoots him. Yeah, so he gets shot. He's brought into the medical tent, and he's actually pronounced dead. And then we hear an internal monologue from him speaking, which says, I was 27 years old the first time I died. I remember there was white everywhere, there was war, and I felt alive, but really I was dead. So he's dead. Yes, and interesting to say there was white everywhere, because what we're watching is very dark like this is happening at night yeah but all of a sudden his eyes open and they start to blink and the medical team freaks out you know they're saying he's alive we need help we need he needs immediate medical attention and that's uh that's kind of the end of the intro there uh we've clearly fast forwarded we've got jack walking down a highway yeah it says 12 months later yeah okay so he's recovered from his the gunshot wound to the head and he's gone home to vermont where he is from. Mm -hmm. He's walking down the highway, comes up to a broken down car and there's a little girl there and her mother. And the mother is clearly out of it. Mother is messed up. Totally messed up. Doesn't even know that Jack is there. No. Is like passed out in a snowbank. Looks like she's either high or recovering from being high or hungover or something. Something that caused her to it looks like she kind of drove the truck into the snowbank. Like, yeah. it, it it was a crash. Yeah. And then she's also on the side of the road feeling horrible from whatever she's on. Right. So, Jack, um, you know, introduces himself to the little girl, who is Jackie. And he's going to help try to fix the truck. He gives her his scarf to keep her warm. Mm-hmm. He kind of gets into uh, the engine there. He's trying to help out a little bit. She sees that he has some dog tags on his bag from the army. And she likes them. And she asks if she can have them. And he he gives them to her. And they're able to get the truck started. So she's very happy. Kind of hugs Jack. And then uh, the mother, Jean, kind of comes to and just sees this stranger hugging her daughter. 
freaks out on Jack, freaks out on Jackie, is screaming at everybody, right? Oh, yeah. You get away from my daughter. Yeah. Right? Like, just thinks the worst is happening right here. Yeah. Which is fair. I mean, if you kind of came to and just saw that. Yeah. yeah. But we've, we've had this moment with Jack where he explains what the dog tags are for to Jackie. He's, he has a head injury, right? He, he got shot in the head. And he says, the dog tags are in case I forget who I am. Yeah. Like, maybe the most important thing for him to have. Yeah. And she's like, can I have them? Right. And he's like, yeah, sure. Yeah. It's like his, it's his, like, save the cat moment, which is like the, the thing in movies where you want, if you want to show your hero at the beginning, they have to do something, like, they have to do some heroic act that they didn't have to do. So they have to save a cat from a tree. So it's called, like, the save the cat. And that's his moment giving the girl his one thing that he really needs. Yeah. Would you save a cat from a tree? I wouldn't. Well, you're not the hero of the story, Tim. Oh, okay. I would. I'm in the any... hero of this podcast. <laughs> in any story, I'm not saving a cat out of a tree. So, Gene and Jackie get into the car. They take off. Jack continues to walk down this highway. A new car comes along. He puts his thumb out to get a ride. Gets picked up by this guy. Now, this guy looks like a super sketchy dude. Um, you just get that vibe that he's you get the vibe. a bit of a scumbag. You know why? It's the slightly sideways baseball cap. Oh, you think that, so? That gives me the vibe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that gives me the, the vibe. That's a good the, start. The scumbag vibe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So all of a sudden the police are behind and they got the lights going. And this guy, no, he's getting really agitated now. So you know something's up. Yeah. But well, they, he, he turns to Jack and he says, have you ever gone to jail? Yeah. <laughs> when the police are behind him. Right. He says, uh, it's worse than war. Yeah. I'm never going back. Uh-oh. Anyways, we get some um, flashback moments here. So we don't really know what's going on. But we get some flashbacks of Jack now on trial for murder. And he's very confused. You can tell he doesn't really understand. There's some clips of him on the stand. And he's like, I don't really remember. They're, they're kind of patching this story together that he has told them about this day. But they're saying like, look, there is, there's no record of a, a Gene or a Jackie. There are no record right. of other people. Right. And we don't get to know it right here. But basically, eventually we get to see what happened in this scene. But essentially, Jack is like he's convicted of murder, of murdering this police officer. Correct. Yeah. And he gets sent to, um, well, he gets found, he gets convicted, but he gets found not guilty for reasons of insanity. So they're saying it's like Gulf War syndrome. Because he can't remember. And he can't remember. He doesn't even know what happened. Yeah. So they send him to an institute for the criminally insane. Yeah. All, all we know is that that cop is dead and he was he found was there, there with the and gun. And doesn't remember. And doesn't remember. What happened. Yeah. He was found with a gun and the evidence points to him doing it. For sure. So it, like it wasn't Jack, right? It, it turns out to be this other guy. We'll jump ahead a little bit. It turns out to be, be this other guy, but we don't learn it for a little bit. Yeah. But you, a, you, you get the feeling, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with saying this at this point, because you get the feeling that he didn't really do it, right? He's not this type of guy who would do that. And seeing how sketchy this other guy was, they almost set it up for you to not even believe it, like not buy into it. Yeah, it's it, it's actually an interesting point in the movie. They never make you feel like he could have done it, yeah. which is like, it's a psychological thriller. So... That seems to be what you can hang the movie on is whether he actually did kill this cop. But they actually never give you that feel. You yeah. always are on his side about yeah. that point. You always think that this other guy must have done it. And then we see that scene later where the guy who was driving the car shoots the cop. The cop, as he's falling, shoots Jack. Yeah. So Jack drops down. And then this is perfect for the guy who shot the cop because he wipes the gun off, throws it down to Jack and right. leaves. So Jack gets to this facility and 
seems like a fairly normal, you know, hospital. Uh, seems seems a little dirty though. Well, yeah, and they're, they're but again, just the way it's shot, right? It yeah. seems like very like it's a gr- it's a gritty movie. Yeah, yeah, the, I like it. It looks really gritty. But I mean, they're they're pumping them full of drugs. Like he, they're getting them like higher and higher and higher. But still, it seems seems kind of normal until late at night. Some orderlies break into his room, pump him full of more drugs, put him in some sort of weird looking straitjacket. Yeah, that uh, they could have washed before. They may have even tried, but I don't know. But yeah, it's got stains. There's some urine stains on that. Yeah, thing. there are. And then they stuff him into a fucking more drawer. Yep. Uh, they Worse. stuff him into a more drawer. How do you feel in this moment? Well, I'm like, what the what the yeah. fuck are you doing? I wouldn't say <laughs> I'm a claustrophobic person, but the thought of getting stuffed into a morgue drawer, I would lose it. I would, I would be so going so crazy in there, like yeah. so anxious and oh, and totally. Just like you can't move at all, and you're in a straitjacket, so like you can't even you actually can't even move at all. Yeah, I'm thinking it's one of those things like you stuff them in there, but it's actually like. Uh, like a rail track and now he's gonna like go down this like right this this track down to like uh, some mad scientist right. den or something like yeah. that no it's just dr a mor- frankenstein yeah, that's right there. that's <laughs> right it's just not that type of movie but no it's just a morgue drawer yeah and and when he's in there just like right away you hear his eyes like which is the weirdest thing to say but you hear his eyes moving blinking. around and blinking yeah and that is the most unsettling noise yeah if that's all you could hear in this drawer is your eyes moving around for sure yeah creep me out so this is where we meet dr becker who is chris christopherson's character so he's the one in charge of this procedure he's like the the major doctor in charge of all these patients yeah i get the feeling he's sort of running the clinic or something like that like he's he's the head guy he's the head guy so in the drawer jack starts to have these flashes and memories now they're again it's very intense and uncomfortable to watch like they're 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 making some kind of like high-pitched noises that make you feel uncomfortable the quick editing is uncomfortable the scenery you're watching is fairly uncomfortable so you see scenes in his eyes yes right so that he's moving his eyes around and then you see sort of it projected into his eye yeah Uh very cool and unsettling and lots of different stuff like there's like him as looks like him as a a, like a child like a three-year-old there's maybe some stuff from him in the war. There's kind of right. stuff all over his life. Right. It does. Yeah. It's, it's sort of tracking all, all over his life. Yeah. Anyways, they've got him in there and they, they pull him out and he, he looks like he's comatose. Like he's not really moving or anything. I think they say like, Jack, if you can hear us blink or something and all he's able to do is blink. Yeah. He slowly blinks. Yeah. So then we get to the, the next scene. We're in a, a common area. And this is where Jack meets Rudy McKenzie, who is Daniel Craig's character. And we also meet Dr. Beth Lawrenson. I'm just calling her Dr. Beth throughout this. Sounds good. That That's Jennifer Jason Lee's character. So I think what we get here, we get a little interaction with the, the three of them. But all this really is, is a way to introduce us to Rudy and to Dr. Beth. Mm-hmm. So guess what? Guess what, Dean? What? It's time for another treatment. <laughs> what do you know? Who wants another right. treatment? <laughs> Jack does. Jack does. So this time, Jack, I mean, he clearly doesn't want to go back into it. So he actually fights back a bit. He takes the jacket, smacks Becker in the face with it. They get really pissed off at him. They stuff him back into this drawer. But since he was violent, uh, Becker kind of storms off. And the second guy in in command um, stuffs him in there and leaves him in there for a super extended amount of time. Yeah, it's like all night. Yeah. Because he thinks that's, that's what should happen. So... 
Well, he goes, doesn't he go to Becker and he says, are you sure we should be leaving him in this drawer? And Becker's like, yeah, we should leave him in the drawer. So he takes that as leave him in the drawer all, all night. night. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't take him out when he's supposed to. Right. He just sort of doesn't quite understand <laughs> what that communication was. It right. was just leave him in for the amount of time, but he just leaves him in all night. And Becker later gets very upset with him About for leaving that. him in all night, yeah. saying that you're a physician, you should know better. So, you know, while Becker is doing this, he is, he, it seems like he does think he's doing it for the right reasons. He's not like a super, he's like a super villain in this, uh, in this movie. Actually, one thing I want to say, cause we're not going to dig too deep into the characters. We're, we're going more for story here, but what they do with the characters is every inter introduction and then, um, continued interaction between Jack and a character, it continues to build their relationship, um, kind of, they just kind of keep going up and up and up with it. Like there's no real, no real break or there's no real point where there's, there isn't growth in their relationship. So whatever feeling Jack has for a character, it grows all the way to the end. Very right? true. So yeah. With Dr. Becker, he, he sees Dr. Becker as his enemy because Dr. Becker is doing this to him. So his relationship with Dr. Becker throughout this movie is, gets more and more intense and he's more and more upset and frustrated with Becker. Let's take Dr. Beth, for example, who is a bit of a sympathetic character to him. They initially have a bit of a sympathetic introduction, and that continues to increase all the way to the end as well. Yeah. Um, so that's just something I noticed about the character development. Very good point. Also with Daniel Craig's character. Yeah. It's um, with all of them. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's just with all of them where they start somewhere. Everyone's sort of at an arm's length because they're new to us, new to him. And then they're all dealt with in a progression. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. point. And you're hitting on a lot of the good plot points, I think. Um, we don't talk about this beforehand. No, we don't. And we, we come uh, here. We don't. You're saying all the things I want you to say. Good. Yeah. Good, yeah. So it's great. Yeah. Yeah. I just communicated to you that we were going to do a little bit of a, more of a, an in-depth story breakdown this yeah. time, but that's as far as we get. We don't share our takes on the movies ahead of time. Right. I don't let you know what the what if question is. We just come in here we record and we want everything to be natural. And after you sort of told me that this was based on a real person and I had to throw my original takeout, you're saying all the right things to get me to form a new one. Perfect. <laughs> so, Perfect. You right. weren't even supposed to be talking anymore. You're just supposed to be listening. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Sorry, go. Okay. Yeah. Now, here's something really interesting. Since he's in this uh, in the drawer for a long time, we, we get a lot more of him in this morgue drawer freaking out. Now, interestingly enough, Adrian Brody, being such the great actor that he is, he asked, he actually asked the director to keep him locked in that morgue drawer, even when they weren't filming, so that he could feel the character's actual despair. What? Yes. And eventually, Brody lost it during the filming. Of course. So what you're seeing here, when he's like kind of crying and screaming, this is real. These are real reactions. That's fucking awesome. That's awesome. This is... This is a really meaty part that, like, it's pretty tough to pull off. And I can't really think of many other people that could have done it as Brody did. Just hearing that, like, it makes sense because I'm it's watching this it's movie. So real. It I'm watching so real. this movie and it's so real. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, he's he is just great. He's great in this movie. Well, he we can go there. He's probably top three actors for me. Okay. Now, I don't want to say he's my, like, one of my top three favorite actors that might slip him down to like a five spot or something right, yeah but for quality of acting i think he's number in the top three for me right he's he hasn't done a lot in a long time but he is incredible yeah he's got this way of being like 
over the top big or very, very small and yeah. quiet. And he can do both. Yeah. And it's like, he's got this great face that's like really slim with this like yeah. great nose. I don't know. Yeah. He's, he's just nice to watch. Every time he's in the scene, I'm, which is almost every one of these scenes. Yeah. So into it. Yeah. So he's been in the drawer for a long time. And something weird happens. We get this kind of weird flash of light. And all of a sudden, Jack is standing outside a gas station. So this is, this is obviously like, it looks like some sort of memory. Like, cause we're getting these flashes of his memory. Let me try that again. We're getting these flashes of his memories. So this looks like one of them that we're just getting a, an expanded view of. For sure. So Jack is standing in the parking lot uh, and it's Christmas Eve. And uh, we got a little Christmas vibe going in the studio right we now. We do right? have a Christmas vibe. It's the Christmas season. We're getting yeah. close to Christmas. We got some Christmas lights you up here. You pulled out the Christmas lights. I'm drinking a Stella, yeah. which is sort of a Christmas That's a Christmas, drink Christmas for beer. Me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've got a little rum and eggnog going on here. I listened to Christmas music on the drive-in today. Oh, you'd have to. You'd yeah. have to. Yeah. So he's standing in this parking lot, Christmas Eve. He's got no coat on. And this is where we meet Kira Knightley, Jackie. Looks like she works there. She comes out the end of her shift. She drives past Jack, kind of sees him, backs up, feels bad for him because it's Christmas Eve, I guess, and just asks if he's got anywhere to go. Right. Well, because she says, like, no cabs are coming here. Like, right. It's Christmas Eve. You know no one's coming here to pick you up. And he looks like he's just standing there yeah. waiting for something, right? It doesn't yeah. look like he has a place to go or has someone coming to pick him up. It's like he doesn't really know what to do. Right. So she says, do you have somewhere to go? And he says, I don't know. She, she's like, well, let me ask you again and consider your situation and where you are. Yeah. Do you have somewhere you need to go? And he's like, yes. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. She's like, okay, well, get in. Yeah. So he gets in the car and then she's like, okay, where to? Yeah. And he's like. He gets in the car and she just takes a swig of alcohol. Oh, yeah. She, yeah. She's drinking out of a flask. Yeah, that, well, there's, there's just, Eve. Oh, yeah. There's just like a character moment for you right yeah. there. <laughs> I, I like I like that part of her character. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he, she says, okay, so where do you need to go? And he's like. I don't know. I don't know. So they go back to her place. Uh, she's called around for some shelters, looking for somewhere to send them. Everything's closed. Everything's full. So she's like, well, you know what? It's Christmas Eve. I'll let you stay here. Right. Yeah. And she seems a little bit like apprehensive about it, but also I'm not going to throw this guy out on the street. So yeah. she's like, I have a couch. Yeah. You can use it. She seems um, reluctant to help, but seems like a good spirit. So yeah, it's helping him for that reason. Totally. Good spirit, but also someone who's been drinking a bit. So they just say what they're thinking. Yeah. Right. She is a little bit like, oh, well, I don't yeah. really want you here, but I guess I have to keep you here. So right. like she's doing the right thing, but also sort of talking candidly, <laughs> like just saying exactly what she's thinking. So she goes for a bath, has some more to drink. <laughs> In the bath. Yeah. Tis, tis, tis the season. Tis the season tis Christmas for baths Eve. and vodka. <laughs> baths and vodka. Yep. So Jack, uh, he's kind of looking around, looking for something to, to to eat or to make them. Ends up making like a cheese, it looks like a cheese bun and then a, like a small cheese sandwich made out of bread. Like there's nothing in the fridge. Yeah. There's nothing. So he kind of does the best he can and she comes out, out of her bath and he's got this little like meal set up for the two of them as a candle going. Her, yeah. uh, her, her place is really inviting. Yeah. It's like, it's got Christmas lights strung up. There's a fireplace going. Like, I get a real warm vibe from this That's place. really good point. Even though it's dark and, like, you can tell that it's not a very expensive place, it's really cozy. Like, I, I, I feel warm in this moment. That's a really good point. Yeah, I never thought about that. It does feel really nice when he has the two, the two sandwiches on the table. 
Yeah. With like, a, I think he's got a little a candle in the middle. or something. Yeah, there's yeah. a candle in the middle. Yeah, it actually looks pretty nice. Yeah. So she, and, she, sorry. I was just going to say, and one, one point I wanted to hit on is just when he's like rummaging through the uh, fridge in the freezer. Yeah. Okay. He pulls out like a rock that's in the freezer. Yes. That says pedal on it. Yeah. And then he puts that back. It's got a flower. And Does it, it have yeah, a flower yeah, on it? I think it's got a flower in the middle. It, I yeah. Think. And I, I just think that's uh, interesting. It sort of always brings me back to like a Friends episode where Joey is reading The Shining. And when he's afraid of it, he puts oh. it in the freezer <laughs> yeah. because it can't get him when it's in the freezer. So yeah. to me, the freezer is things where you put like is, is a place where you put things that you're a little bit afraid oh, of. OK, I like and, that. And like it can't get you if it's in the freezer. Right, right. So that's something uh, that rock is something that um, Jackie's mother, we, we learn Jackie's mother gives to her down the line and yeah. she has saved that. Yeah. So I like this moment. Jackie falls asleep on the couch and she's got a cigarette in her hand and Jack comes and takes a cigarette out. And I know you, you probably like this, this moment too, because this is foreshadowing for something that comes later in the movie, but it's also something that happened in the past, in the past, in the past. So this is a moment that is from the future right. and the past. Yeah. Yeah. If you yes. think about it. Yes. Now that so I'm thinking about it, it's yeah. interesting. It's, it's a, great... it's a, it's, a, it's something you catch on a rewatch, but it's an interesting thing that they're playing with here for so, sure so he's kind of like he puts a blanket on her he's kind of looking around just chilling out oh like when he after uh, he makes the food she's like oh do you want to do you want to drink as well so she's just getting plastered right so she, yeah. she passes out uh jack's looking around well it's interesting because like the first time she asks him if he wants a drink he says yes and then she goes and just makes herself one <laughs> and comes back and doesn't even have one for him yeah and then she asks asks him again later oh, yeah. do you yeah. want a drink and he's like yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Still, I said yeah before. Still, yeah, still like one. <laughs> yeah. So Jack finds a pair of dog tags hanging on the wall. So he's like, oh, dog tags. Who are these for? Who are they for? They're him. They're his dog tags. Yeah. All right. So this is where you're kind of like, what what in the fuck is going on in this movie? Yeah, like up cool. until this point, it was kind of a little bit weird and eerie. But this is where you're like, whoa, what? Yeah. This is real weird. His dog tags are here. Yeah. So. And a photo album is right beside. Right. Well, he quickly looks around for some, for some right. other evidence that, yeah. that these are, these belong to him. Yeah. He finds a photo album, flips through it. He sees Jean and Jackie, the, yeah. the versions from the car, yeah. like the, the older mother and this little girl. So he's, he frantically wakes up Jackie and he's just like, what? He says, what year is it? Like, he said, what, what year is it? And she yeah. says, it's 2007. And he's like, huh, what? Yeah. What? what? He can't even catch his breath. He's like, what? Because in his mind, or in his time, his time is 1992. Yeah. But now we're, so we're in the future here. Yeah. We're in the future. 15 years in the future. This is future Jackie. If anyone asks you what year is it? That's a bad start. That's a bad start. To any start. conversation. That's a bad start. <laughs> yeah. So he's trying to explain to Jackie now that he's Jack Starks. And she immediately freaks out. Like, gets, this is this is a trigger point for her. She immediately says, like, get the fuck out. Yeah, she gets very angry. Yeah. yeah. She she, um, she actually, yeah, she actually says, get the fuck out of my place. Yeah, like, she says he's here. snooping, blah, 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 get out of here. And he's like, he's like, look, I met you and your mother on a road with nobody on it. Like, how could I know about that if I wasn't there? And yeah, your mother like, was wasted. I fixed the car. He knows all the details, but she's still just like, get out of here. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what this is. Get out of here. Yeah. So... At this point, you're like, okay, well, he's he's somehow found a way to travel through time. Right. But at the end of that conversation, she yes, does say... Exactly. Jack Starks is dead. That's, yeah, she says, yeah, fuck off, get out. 
Jack Starks died in 1993. Right. So his he thinks he's in 92. She's saying he dies 1993. January 1st, 1993. Right. Which is it's four real days. soon it's for real, 1992. Real close, real close yeah. to where he is because he's around the holiday season yeah. in his time. So, yeah, it's really cool. Really enjoying it up to this point. Now, for sure, um, we get a little bit more quick character development here with Dr. Beth. She goes to her friend's place and her friend has a child, a boy named Bobek, and he's got some sort of health problem. He can't talk. Seems really out of it. Yeah, seems out of it, but she's doing sort of exercises. She's doing exercises with him where he can still identify um, certain objects. He can identify a truck. He can identify a ball, but he isn't able to speak. Yeah, so they're just introducing us to to this character for something that's going to happen down the line. So we don't need to stick on that for too long. Well, because you don't really know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, you don't in know what's going moment. on either. So then we're back at the we're back in the community room, and Jack is having a conversation with Doctor Becker. So Jack Jack's all drugged up and he's pissed off at Becker for obviously stuffing him into this drawer, right? And Becker says that Jack is the most resilient that he's ever seen to this treatment. Thanks. So like, what does that mean? Like he, he comes <laughs> cool. out alive. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So you left me in there all night. Yeah. Yeah. So after their conversation, Jack actually takes off. He's like, he stumbles his way out of, out of the facility and is like, it looks like he's trying to escape. Uh, Dr. Beth sees him and, and goes outside after him. So this is a really good scene where she kind of goes after him and he's, he's still kind of very defensive, but she's really the one who, who's trying to help. So she's just like, pulls out some cigarettes. Like, do you want a cigarette? I don't even think Jack has any shoes on at this point, or maybe yeah. he does with slippers or something. You're right. This is a really great scene. You, you get, um, Dr. Beth's like some, some deep character development here where you can tell that she really does care. Yeah. Like whether, like what's it Beckett or Becker? Becker. Becker is kind of like maybe the genius who's trying all the things out, but he maybe doesn't, isn't as sympathetic towards the patients as yeah. she is. She's there to kind of be, be like their person that they can talk to and open yeah. up to and mm-hmm. be almost like their friend. She's there for them. She wants them to know that she's there for them. Yeah. And I, I like this scene a lot because as he runs out of the facility and he's just like running down this snow path with all these trees, I'm like, how is he just able to leave? Yeah. And you don't see anything of it. She just like Dr. Beth comes, talks to him. And then as they walk back to the facility, you see the barbed wire fence. Yeah. There's a fence. There's a fence. It's like, he wasn't actually out yet. He would have had to somehow hop that. He wouldn't, yeah, he wouldn't have gotten out. Yeah. But she, she asks him, she says, how, how's everything going with the treatments with Becker? And Jack's kind of like, well, what does the matter? Like, what does it matter to you? She says, she says, I hope, you would tell me if they weren't going well. And he says, why, what would you do? And, he, and she says, well, I'd make them stop. Right. And then I like this. He says that he likes the treatments. Yeah. He says, it's funny. says they're making him feel like a different person. Yeah. That's <laughs> great. I know. Cause he's a different person when he's it getting is. in there. Right. He's he, like, he's traveling to be this different person. This yeah, future he, Jack. He didn't like it the first time. No. But when they left him in, left him in the overnight. Yeah. That's when he started having these, yeah these future jack visions and he likes it this is another point to my my character development yeah like it's this he he has a similar progression with the jacket and the morgue drawer like his 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 character development with that continues to increase and he goes from i guess kind of like maybe 
clearly doesn't like it the first time, but as of the second time, he starts to enjoy it and then kind of gets more and more and more and more. Well, and his relationship with the two doctors, because we have back-to-back scenes yeah. where it's Becker and he's like, fuck you for putting me in the drawer. Right. And then it's Beth and he's like, I kind of like it. Yeah. Right? It's just that's his relationship with each one of those doctors and how they're treating him. Yeah. Jack, he now wants to get back in the drawer. <laughs> now he's trying to find out ways to get in there, <laughs> of right? Of course. Yeah, he loves it there. It's better, it's better being in the jacket now than being in the hospital. So Jack is talking with Rudy about the jacket and Jack tells Rudy that he found out that he's going to die in four days and that he needs to get back in there. And Rudy, um, Rudy says he knows how to control it when you're in there. He says, just be calm and focus on what you need right now. So this is another kind of like, kind of another funny part. A nurse comes by because they're, they're get, kind of like, they're getting into their conversation and For a sure, nurse yeah. comes by just to like make sure everything's okay. And she's like, what are you guys talking about? Yeah. And Rudy says, we're talking about the ability to travel forward through time, which is exactly what they're talking about. But it's also exactly what it's like, maybe they shouldn't be talking about yeah. and what might help the nurse think that their condition is not improving at all. Totally. And it's like, it's great in this moment for Adrian Brody, because like as Jack, at first, he's like, what the hell, dude? You just told her exactly what we're talking about. But then as they get a little bit further in to be like, yeah, we're just talking about like, if it's possible to do this. He sort of comes around. He's like, oh, yeah, maybe this is the thing that'll just make them move on. Maybe yeah. this is what'll make the nurses just move on. He's like, yep, that's what we were talking about. Yeah. He just has this like great transformation in like a couple seconds. Yeah. Where he's very concerned at first. Right. And then he gets there. Yeah. And the nurse like gives uh, Rudy this like little whack with his stick. It just yeah. as like a kind of like F you for, yeah. for screwing with me. Yeah. That was I, funny. Funny moment. I love quirky Daniel Craig. Yeah. He's really like, good here. He's great. James Bond. He's like, better as like, this quirky I guy. love quirky Dan. And, and like he's doing that more now lately where he's sort of stepping off from being leading man like James Bondy characters and getting back into the quirky characters. And I just love it. Yeah. So Jack tells Rudy that he needs to get back in there. We get an operational review of a group counseling session. So this is where there's a whole bunch of patients in the room. You've got the doctors, but then you also have the doctor's like bosses who are watching over how this session happens, kind yeah. of kind of evaluating everything. Yeah, this this scene for me is a little bit weird. It is weird. I don't see how it fits, but well, you get Jack being super cocky in this yeah. scene, and I think that's the first time we kind of get that. Well, this is why. It's because he, he needs to get back in the jacket, so he he creates a disturbance of here course. to do it. Of course. Right? So immediately okay. after I, this... I did not pick up on that. Yeah, yeah of course. Because Rudy... They ask Rudy, you know, how, how, Rudy, how are you doing? And he, Rudy says he's been approached by the organization for the organized and they're trying to recruit him. <laughs> Sounds like a wicked organization. It does. Right? The organization for the organized. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, Jack speaks up and he's like, uh, I for one believe Rudy. He's like, it's real. Yeah. It's real. I he's like, they, they've contacted me as well. And he's like winking at Rudy and Rudy all of a sudden gets super validated and just like this big smile on and his they face. Just go. Yeah. But then Jack just really like causes a scene. Like Be- yeah. Becker's like, uh, do you think that's a helpful comment to make for Rudy Jack? <laughs> he's just like, yes, yes, he's I like, do. Well, it's true. Yeah. yeah. What am I supposed to do? Yeah. Then, then he starts getting real. Jack starts getting yeah. really loud and you can tell it's like really making some of these other patients uncomfortable and they yeah. kind of start freaking out some of them are screaming and like people are standing on chairs and it's just a big huge yeah. scene so right after that they stuff him back into the drawer of course so yeah that so reason. that's what he was doing yeah and he gets he does have this sort of attitude 
like he has this cockiness now yeah where he was like he was winking at becker and he was like winking at rudy he's like he's fine with his situation now where it was horrible we talked about like being right. shoved in that morgue drawer that's horrible but he's like okay with it now it's like he's got a bit of a purpose now yeah and he's like he's a great winker he's great at everything yeah so this is what jack wants though he's he's going forward in time and he's trying to find out how he's how he gets killed it's like we got this time traveling detective story. It's, it's that's a neat. lot of fun. Yeah. It's neat, yeah. So Jack goes. He's, so he's again. He's back into the drawer. Starts to have his flashbacks, but he accidentally goes to the wrong point. He goes back in time here by accident. He goes to the point where that cop is killed, and this is where we see that scene with the cop pulling the guy over. The guy shoots the cop in the stomach. The cop shoots kind of up because he's falling. Hits Jack in the head where he got shot before. The exact same spot he got shot mm. before. Jack falls over. This guy, he's like, perfect. Cleans the gun, uh, throws it down, and takes off. So Jack, not wanting to go back in time, wanting to go forward, takes Rudy's words to heart here and kind of starts to focus. And he hums, he starts to hum a song. And then he sees himself as a child with his mother. It's a really nice moment. Like, you can see that he... He immediately calms down. He's not frantic anymore. Um, he's almost getting like tears in his eyes. Like the look on his face is of kind of of joy. Uh, I just thought it was a really nice, a really nice moment there. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he appears inside the diner where Jackie is. So he was able to calm himself yeah. and immediately appear where he needed to be. Totally. Yeah. I did not. Again, another thing I did not get. I did not get that breakdown. That's a great breakdown there. Thank you. I did it myself. <laughs> oh, wow. Excellent. Yeah, no, you're right. He, he he wasn't in the right time. And then he focused to get to the right time. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So Jackie sees him. And this is the first time that Jackie's seen him since she threw him out. So she's she still like is not really on board with him. She's upset at him. She says, you got a lot of nerve coming back here. But I think she's a bit curious. She, yeah, she's she, like, all right, tell me your story. Like, she, yeah, right. she feels like there maybe there is some sort of connection here. So... She had looked up a bit of information and found out that Jack gets killed from a blow to the head. Well, here's the thing. Like, she's got to know that he looks similar to the person she saw as a you kid. You have like, to remember Even that. when you're a kid, yeah. you can still you can still sort of be like, oh, I've, I've seen this guy before. So she probably got a little curious and then looked into things. So the next time they meet, she's got all this information that she's been looking into. For sure. So she found that. And then she found that these treatments that Becker is using they were banned in the 70s and jackie says that the hospital actually still exists so they could go there now and see if anybody's around who they might remember great idea yeah so they go to the hospital and the person that they're talking to has not heard of a dr becker but dr beth still works there so they go to talk to dr beth under the guise that jack is actually jack's nephew and his right. nephew has come to try to dig up a bit of information about how his uncle died right they question him sort of one time about it and they're like why do you what's going on like why are we answering these questions why are you even asking about him yeah and he says he's my only remaining relative that's like, right he's the only family i have left and like if someone comes to you and says that's the only family i have left you kind of just give them everything you got right like yeah there's no reason not to yeah beth sees him and says that he looks exactly like him yeah yeah and that um, back in the day, Jack had actually helped her with one of her patients, this Bobek. So she says she didn't know how Jack got killed. 
And Jack sarcastically asks, do you think Dr. Becker has a better idea? <laughs> and uh, she's she's kind of like uh, very she's very like matter of fact. She's like, yes, I think you might have more luck with Dr. Becker. Like, very yeah. like formal about it. And I love like he's asked a couple people along the lines now of how he got killed. And they're yeah. all just like blunt force trauma to the head. Yeah. Blunt force trauma to the head. And Nobody he's like, knows. What does that mean? Like that's yeah. such a, a blanket statement over how somebody died exactly how did it happen right so it's, it's becoming very clear that jack thinks that dr becker killed him for with sure. a blow to the head for that's sure. what he's leaning to yeah so i'm noticing at this point in the movie how great of a job adrian brody's doing portraying two completely different emotional states like you've got him playing this kind of drugged out down and out character um oftentimes in the hospital i know not every time and then you've got him outside of the hospital He's just this like confident, persistent, forward guy. Yeah. It's like these two parallels and to do to do those two things in the same movie, it's just so, so admirable. Yeah. And even to say like just another, a couple of other emotions during that time when he's in the hospital, he doesn't really care about anything that's happening around him. And when he's out of the hospital in the flash forwards or whatever they are, he's doing like detective work trying to figure out how he died. So yeah. it's this person that really cares about like their being and what they're doing as opposed to someone who's not even talking to anyone about how he's being shoved in a morgue drawer. Right. Like he doesn't even really care about what's happening in the hospital. So after Jack and Jackie meet with Beth, they go back to Jackie's place and they get into the lovemaking. They did get into the lovemaking pretty quickly. Yeah. Now I don't usually like this in movies where they just throw it in to have a sex scene, like a gratuitous sex scene. But I think in this case, it actually works. And I don't actually mind it. Because what we need here between these two characters is we actually need a way to rapidly progress their relationship. Because we're kind of running out of time and we need these two to get to a different level with each other. So they do that. They have sex. And then these two are now more connected than they were previously. Also, all the building, character building up to that point, you have two very broken characters. Two characters that are alone and feel alone. And for like the first time in a long time, they both don't feel alone together. So I could see this happening. I could see like yeah. them going, having this great like detective work day where they're trying to figure this out. And just immediately when they get back to her place, just going for it because they yeah. haven't had that connection, either of them in quite a while. Right. So Jackie wakes up in the morning and Jack is gone. Now we're back at the hospital and Dr. Beth is coming to see Jack. It seems like every time Jack comes out of the jacket, the drawer, he's more beaten up. I don't yeah. I don't know what it is about like it if, if they're like if they're just beating him as they get him in there, but he's 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 deteriorating more and more. At this point he's no longer sitting in the common area, he's in a, like a private room getting attended to. So she's worried about him, so she comes by to see what's going on and he's trying to explain it to her. Um like She's saying she wants the treatments to stop, and he says the treatments are his only hope. So it doesn't make sense to her, right? And she's, he's trying to explain it, but it obviously sounds crazy. Yeah. They're trying to explain the scenario. He says he sees the future when he's in there. Yeah. So you're telling this to, like, a doctor. Yeah, you're saying that when I get like, put in there, I, I go to the future. It sounds so, wild. So what right? does she do? What's the response to that? She asks him, what year is it now? Yeah. And he's like, right. I'm not dumb. It's that's 1992. Right. Like, 92. I know what year it is now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. I think is like a, a good moment. She's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. She asks him what the future looks like. Yeah. And he says it doesn't, 
look that different. He looks. He, he says it looks the same. Yeah. And she says, really? The future? Yeah. And he's like, well, the same to me. Well, it's neat because a lot of these movies, like 20 years in the future, yeah. they, they make it look so... There's flying cars all of a sudden. Totally. Right? But in reality, not a lot changes yeah. to the world. So she calls him uh, delusional. She says, these are just uh, facets of your delusion. And so he says, what about Bobak? Is mm. that a facet of my delusion? How would he know that? He couldn't possibly know about Bobak because this is something Jackie told him about in the future. So yeah, she just says, like, how do you know that? How do you know about this? And he says, because you told me. And then I think there's another scene there where where Beth goes to her friend's place again and yeah. asks if anybody's been asking about Bobak. And she's like, no, I haven't told anybody about this. Yeah. Anybody about this. So yeah. kind of weird. For like, sure. It's for sure weird. There's no way he should know this information. So at this point, you're like, is he really jumping to the future? Yeah. He knows all this stuff that his mind shouldn't know if it's yeah. not actually happening. That's right. Okay, well, I think that's a good place to do a quick break, and we'll be back shortly. Sounds good. Time for break. All right, Dean, guess what? What? Time for another treatment. Yay! Who wants another treatment? Jack does. Let's go back <laughs> in the drawer. Yeah, Jack, back in the jacket. And this time, he goes in there, he says Jackie, and he's taken immediately to her. Mm. So he's got control of this now. Cool. He's, um, you know, as he's doing it, he's getting physically effed up, but he's learned how to just get right where, where he wants to get to with just like a, interesting. Th- a thought. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, so... Jackie's obviously excited to see to see him, and this is where she tells him that Bobek. She's learned that Bobek is having seizures, and that they end up curing him with a mild form of electroshock therapy. Right. So she gives him that information. Now they go to they go to see Doctor Becker, and they end up finding him coming out of church. Jack confronts him. Jack walks up, and Becker looks at him, and says, "You're his son." He says. Jack says. Not his son. It's really cool. Yeah. And Becker's just kind of like, what? He's like, I am him. Yeah. What What in the world? Yeah. So Jack, uh, right there, he accuses Becker of killing him. Mm-hmm. And Becker says that maybe maybe the treatments pushed him to kill himself. Mm-hmm. And Jack says, you know, no, I, that, I doesn't think that was the case. But Becker says the last time that Jack came out of the drawer, so the last time he came out before his death, he was saying the names of other patients that Becker had tried to help. And then Jack says, well, who do you think told me those names? He says, I'm in the drawer right now. He says, you're haunting yourself. Yeah. Which is, it's cool. It is cool. And uh, basically the whole conversation ends with Becker saying, we're all dead, Jack. Yeah. Becker like tells him the names. Yeah. So then Jack's like, well, shit, now I know the names. I know them. So this is going to be the last time I'm in the drawer. Right. Yeah, and you and told then, him to me. And then, like you said, Becker says, we're all dead as yeah. he's walking off, which is yeah. a weird thing to say. It's a weird thing to say, yeah. But at this point, Jack starts to have some real issues. He's kind of like starts to stumble. He just about passes out. So these jumps, these time jumps or whatever are now negatively, negatively affecting him, like in this, uh, in the future here. It seems like it, yeah. Yeah. Maybe it has something to do with like 
the bruises he has, like, when he's coming out, like, it's actually physically affecting yeah. him somehow. Like, yeah, something, there's some sort of connection there, for yeah. sure. He, he kind of, like, climbs into the back of Jackie's truck, and she's, they're driving away, and he asks Jackie what her home address is as they drive away. And uh, you see Jack in the back seat, and then he's gone. Yeah. He disappears. And Becker pulls him out of the drawer. Right. And Jack sees Becker and repeats those names mm-hmm. that he had just told him. And Becker's just like, what the? Yeah. The hell? How does this guy know these names? For sure. Back in the hospital now, he's meeting with Dr. Beth again. And he tells Dr. Beth that Bobek is having seizures. And that's why he hasn't learned to talk yet. And he says that she'll use ECT to help him. And she's like, no, that's crazy. That's, she's like, I that's, wouldn't do that, that, that could, on a child. Yeah, she's like, that could kill him. Yeah. She's like, I would never do that. And he says, well, you do. Mm-hmm. You do. So the next scene, you see Dr. Beth at Bob X house with him kind of hooked up to this machine and like, she's shitting herself, like, like thinking that she's going to do this. Totally. Right? Like this yeah. guy, this patient is saying, do this super dangerous thing to this kid yeah. and it's going to work. And like, she's super hesitant. She's like, okay, we're going to try it one time on the lowest setting. She takes like a huge gulp of uh vodka or something ahead of time. She asks like the mom and she's like, you don't really want to be here. Do you want her to leave the room? Like yeah. she's very nervous about it. Yeah. So she, she cranks the machine the kid is just like, obviously freaks out because he just got yeah. zapped. And when, you know, he settles down, uh, the, uh, you know, ask him if he can say anything and he's, he's able to start talking here. So he's it, like, hey, what's up? I'm about to talk for a while. Hey, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that's, that's silly. That's silly, Dean. <laughs> hey, man, he did it. I don't yeah, know. Okay. I'm just watching the movie. <laughs> Okay. So so after that, Beth goes back to talk to Jack because she now believes everything that he's saying. Yeah. Right? And she's like, okay, well, how can I help you? And he says that he needs to get out. He needs to go do something. So he wants her to help him out. So she takes him out and they go to Jackie's house. Yeah. Okay. So he had just previously in the last jump got her address and they go there. And he wants to go there to deliver a note that he wrote for Jackie's mom. Now... He goes, gets to the house and knocks on the door. Jackie answers and, um, you know, she remembers him. And then, yeah, he asks for... Yeah, like Jackie has a little child. Yeah, answers the child him. Jackie. Yeah. Uh, asks for the mom and she calls for the mom. Gene comes down. It's, looks like better than before, but still is cranked out on something, it seems, right? For sure, yeah. And she doesn't recognize him no. because she was out of her mind that yeah. last time. Doesn't recognize him. And uh, anyways... He's like, um, I think he, I think she says something like, what do you need? And he's like, it's, it's what you need, he says. And then right, she's like, yeah. Jackie, go play in the yard. And, and, <laughs> and then... Jackie's like, why? <laughs> she's like, just do it. Yeah. <laughs> I love the question back from the kid. It's like, why just go play in the yard? <laughs> yeah. Because I said so. Yeah. Um, so Jack says that it's not going to make a lot of sense to her right now, but everything that she needs to know is in this letter. And he's like, he's kind of pleading like please believe like please believe that this is really important take this please take this very seriously because it is and he says it'd be a shame if you didn't take this seriously yeah and i I really like this interaction right here because like adrian brody obviously uh delivers it very well but um the character gene in this moment is like she's always sort of been standoffish to him in everything we've seen yeah. of their their interactions she's always like get away from me get away 
just the way he delivered it and saying like this is very serious like just read the note that's all you have to do is read a note and she's like okay whatever yeah i'll do it and i I really liked her in that moment yeah totally and his acting is so good like he is being so genuine in that moment that you can tell that it's coming through to her she's like okay this guy is like this this really means something to this guy he's being very serious here exactly so what like even if you aren't planning on reading the note you're just like okay yeah i'll read it like okay fine yeah i'll just i'll do it yeah uh then we get this really sweet moment when jack's leaving and kind of jackie's out playing in the yard and you know they just have like this goodbye and it's just you know it's just it was really sweet right because jack is probably the nicest person that like child jackie has ever met he's probably been like one of the only people to ever help them like, it doesn't look like jackie's allowed to have friends or they even like interact with anybody it's just jackie with the mother and the mother is just this like Right. Yeah, it, so. it's really kind of a, a horrible situation for that little child to be yeah. in. And you can see how that would affect future Jackie, who we've met. Yeah. Um, you could see how she would sort of end up, you know, on Christmas Eve just drinking like a whole bottle of vodka or whatever. Like, it's right. just, you, you need to forget about those times that happened. Yeah. I just thought it was really sweet. You know, she yeah obviously doesn't want him to go, you know, and he yeah. probably wishes he could do more. But, you know, he's doing the best he can with this letter. So. Like, to her, that is truly a friend. Like, yeah. Jack is truly her friend. And she's, like, I don't know, 10 years old there, maybe younger. And he's, like, a grown adult. But, like, that's who she's had a conversation with. And they and he gave her her the, the his dog tags. Like, yeah, yeah she, that, that's her actual friend that's now leaving. Yeah, 100%. Um, on the drive back to the hospital, Jack actually starts to pass out. So he's in real rough shape here now. Um and he's asking Beth now to put him into the jacket. He's got to get into the jacket. He thinks this is going to be his last chance to get in there. Right. And this is in like reality. Like this, this is isn't reality. in yeah. the future. Like no, no. he's just all of a sudden like really messed up in reality. Yeah. Like it's, it's That's right. taking a physical toll on him. Right. Yeah. So they pull up to the hospital. Uh, Jack gets out. But in his super weakened condition, he slips on the ice and cracks his head on the ground. Blunt force trauma. Blunt force trauma to the head. And he's bleeding real badly. So, like, Beth screams at someone else to help them. They they take him. They get him into the jacket. They, like, lie him on this, the table that they're going to push into the morgue drawer. And you just see blood coming out on, like, the steel table still. And they push him in there. And then you get, like, probably the most powerful moment of this movie. This, um, another internal monologue from, from Jack here. Now, like, Adrian... Brody's voice is so great that when he delivers this monologue, it's just, it's crushing. Yeah. It's crushing. Yeah. Which is why I'm so glad you invited him to the studio today (laughs) to deliver the monologue. I wish I had done that. Welcome, Adrian Brody. Yeah. Unfortunately, he was unable to make it. Uh, I am going to try to read this. I won't be able to do it any sort of justice. Even on my best day, this will be five percent of what he delivers um i mean you've won an oscar before yeah have i i think you've won an oscar for for what or two for what (laughs) greatest podcast (laughs) think of oscars to podcasters right (laughs) greatest podcast yeah best supporting podcast performance that's right best performance in a leading podcast yes yes best supporting role in an unknown podcast (laughs) in the unknown podcast category (laughs) okay so Basically, what this is, is Jack 
reading the letter that he wrote to Jean. Right. Now and this, so she's reading it. She's reading it. While he's sort of voicing it. While he's voicing yeah. it. And while we're getting flashes of kind of all the people that Jack has had a connection with, good or bad, in this movie. We're flashing to all of them. So this is a real deep moment. And he's uh, like apparently, you know, about to be dying again for the second or third time here or whatever. Right. They so. are shoving him into a morgue drawer with his head bleeding out. Yes. Not really the way you should probably handle a patient who had a slip and fall accident. Not at all. It kind of looks like you're trying to cover it's, something It's up. real bad. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, we can get into... We'll get into it later when we talk about what we think this movie's about. Yeah, but yeah. It's not about really n- great n- from these doctors to put him in the morgue drawer as he's bleeding out. That's right. This movie is 100% about mistreatment of patients. <laughs> the main that's my take <laughs> yes that's a you know what that's a great take yeah. we don't really need to get into any further that is great <laughs> okay all right i'm gonna try to do this letter here i really love it it's really really important and really well done so it's a really good moment in the movie i watch it i rewound it and watch it again okay so it goes like this i was 27 years old the first time that i died i remember there was white everywhere there was war and i felt alive but really i was dead Sometimes I think we live through things only to say that they happened, that it wasn't up to someone else, it was up to me. Sometimes we live to beat the odds. I'm not crazy, even though they thought I was. I live in the same world as everyone else. I just saw more of it, as I'm sure you have. They'll find my body tomorrow. You can check it out if you don't believe me. I've seen life after my death, and I'm telling you this because it's the only way to help you and your daughter have a better life of your own. Jean, you're going to pass out one day smoking a cigarette and burn to death. Your daughter grows up living the same sad life you're living right now, and she misses you so much. Sometimes, life can only really begin with the knowledge of death that it can all end when you least want it to. The important thing in life is to believe that while you're alive, it's never too late. I promise you, Jean, no matter how bad things look, they look better awake than they do asleep. When you die, there's only one thing that you want to happen. You want to come back. That was a really good reading. Thank you. I've got a couple specks in my eyes right now. <laughs> so you get a, a bug flu in your eye? I a bug flu in my eye. i got to compose myself a little here before I can continue on talking about this movie. That was really good. You want some of my uh, eggnog? Yeah. <laughs> That's Oscar-worthy performance yeah, right there. Right, yeah. That was great. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of things he says in there which can kind of lead you down any path you choose, which yeah. is, I think, what this movie is. It's like whatever you think about this movie... This monologue kind of reinforces whatever you're thinking, no matter what it is. Yeah. Because he goes into, like, a lot of different directions. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a great way to sort of end the movie. Okay. So they, they have put him back in the jacket. And then we get the flash. And Jack's he's back at the diner. But this time, instead of him going there at the nighttime, he's there at the daytime. Now, this is this is a similar scene to that first time he goes to the diner where he's kind of standing outside yeah. and Jackie sees him for the first time. Yeah. Except this, yeah, this time it's daytime, not nighttime. Jackie comes out. It doesn't look like she's working there. It looks like she just went to pick up some coffee. Yes. She's driving a, she's like a cute a, little car, a newer vehicle. Yeah. So she hops in her car, drives past, notices he's standing there like before backs up and says, did you know that you're bleeding? She saw he's got a little bit of blood. 
Yeah, he's just, bleeding. He's, <laughs> like, he's actually he's bleeding got the blood from the from his back head, of his head. His head. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he looks. He, he looks had the, He had the blunt force trauma. Yeah. He says he's fine, and she says he's got a cut, and he says, "Well, I slipped." And she says she's on her way to the hospital because she works there, and she can give him a ride. So, um, yeah, he's very happy. He's kind of yeah. smiling and laughing this whole time, right? Because it looks like he kind of made he made it happen. Like he he yeah. changed the future for her, and she right? doesn't know him. No, like she doesn't remember him. It's totally different. She has a new car. She's a nurse. I mean, she didn't. Yeah, she she didn't remember him the first time either. Like this. No, I know, but yeah. like. Every time after that yeah. first time he's been flashing, she knows yes. him. Yes. So this is, you're right. This is this first scene again. Yeah. And she doesn't know him. This is the first time she's seen him. I was actually waiting for her to be like, just kidding. Oh, yeah. I know you're, and I was like, that's a like lame joke. What are you doing? That this guy has like, this guy has like issues, man. Yeah. But like, it didn't happen that way. She actually doesn't know him. And this is sort of a new future that it he's is. created. That's, that's exactly right. Yeah. So. He gets in. He's very content. I feel very content here. Very, I'm very happy. I'm very pleased with what's happening. And Jackie gets a call from her mom and has a very nice kind of loving interaction. And you can tell they have a great relationship. And uh, yeah, she hangs up and asks Jack how he's doing. And he says, better now. Yeah. And then the scene kind of like has this weird burnout. Mm-hmm. And then it's over. Mm-hmm. And I love this movie. And she says, how much time do we have? Which is weird. Well, you hear that. I don't know if actually she says it. I don't know if she says it. Or like Jennifer Jason Lee says it. It, Well, it doesn't make sense that she would say it. I know. Somebody, there's just an audio clip at the end of how much much time time do do we we have? have. Yeah. Um, This, you're right. This ending is the best I've felt all movie. For sure. Like, as soon as this, like, end scene plays out, this is as good as I've felt for the whole movie. Well, you you, you kind of get, like, this happy ending, right? Yeah, which is interesting for how this movie is played out, where you start with very uneasy feelings. And then you're sort of, like, yanked back and forth during this story, and you don't really know where to end. You don't really know what you want to happen. Which is, it's a weird feeling watching a movie. Like, this movie's weird. You don't really know what you want the outcome to me and you don't really know what you want the next scene to be even you're just kind of going along with it but once they hit this final scene you know this is where you wanted it to end and you feel yeah you feel good about it you don't know what you want because you don't know what's actually happening you don't know what you should want yeah so let's get into your new take you've had about an hour to come up with a new take actually you know what let's hear your old take first what was your old take about My old this? take is dynamite. My old take is what the movie is until you started talking to me about it. <laughs> it is, I thought, he dies. Sorry, not he dies, but he gets shot in the head in the first scene by the kid. He's lying on the table. The doctor says, oh, wait, he's alive. And the rest of the movie is just his head. The rest of the movie is just his brain in his last moments before he actually dies, figuring stuff out. And because a kid shot him, he builds this story in his mind about how a kid can be good no matter what. Like even a kid grown up in a horrible situation can still be good. And so he builds this whole story in his mind. But then you telling me that this is based on a real person that... That these things, like, similar things happen to, uh, I get a different take on it. So what's your take? 
Well, I've been trying to piece it together as you've do been you, talking. Do you have anything? I do. There's a there's a couple different things that you've brought up um, as we've been talking about it. That the first time he gets stuck in the drawer, all he gets is those bad flashbacks and like those horrible things that happened. But then when he was accidentally left in the drawer for too long, he figures it out and he like kind of creates this this new future that he can think about when he's in there. And after that first time that he's been left in there too long, when he gets put in other times after that, he gets to that point. He figures like he he's able to cue his mind into how do I get to focusing on the right thing? So I still think it's a story he's making up in his head, but I think it's maybe a patient that's had to do deal with this war trauma, um, figuring a place where he feels calm and where he feels like it's okay that this was my life and it's okay that this is the end of my life yeah i like that i think there's there's a few different things that could be going on here yeah okay i think jack could be alive and he could be having hallucinations in the treatment in the jacket in the drawer he could be hallucinating everything that's happening in there i think he, Jack could survive the gunshot and he could legitimately be traveling through time and changing futures. Right? Do you, there could do you be... think that's like a legitimate plot line in this story? My take... I, I don't. My take back in the 2005 mm-hmm. to 2007 where I probably watched this 10 times, that was my take. That he was actually traveling. That he was yeah. traveling through time. Yeah. Now, that is an optimistic take. Because I think I just liked the movie so much that that was the view of it that made me the most happy with the film. Um, I've changed a bit since then. I don't necessarily need to see movies like that. So that is no longer my take. But that was my take. That was just taking it for what it was, was that the time travel was happening. I liked that sci-fi aspect of it. Well, and plot-wise, that is sort of the most satisfying. Because he actually changed it. He actually changed the future for someone. Someone that he had an interaction with um, and was, and was able to make their life better. Like is able to make two people's lives better. The mom and the daughter, Jackie and and Jean and Jack's and his, yeah. Three lives better by like going through that um, being put in the jacket and being put in the morgue drawer. I, so I like it as like narrative. I like that, that ending, but I just, I don't in any way think that that actually happened. Like, I don't think that that, time travel is the story i think it was the most obvious because it was the narrative that was most pushed in our face for sure that movie for sure that's the the story the story narrative that they were giving us the most of yeah if if 2005 dean who was super hyped for this movie went and saw it that's 100 percent my take would have been it's time travel that's what's happening another possible scenario jack survives the gunshot and he's legitimately suffering from a brain disorder and he's yeah. just not able to get a hold of like himself or his For thoughts. For sure, yeah. Okay, here's my take, though. Okay. And this is, this is new. A new take for me. New take. The take that ends all takes. This is the take. This is a take. So, I can't take credit for this take because I don't normally do this. Okay. But I had my take. I tried to break down in my head what the possible scenarios were. Yeah. And I came out with three possible scenarios. Okay. And those are the ones I just told you. Th- Fair, th- those yeah. are what I came up with. Yeah. I was um, 
doing a bit of research on this and I came across an article that was kind of headlined the four scenarios for the jacket. Oh, cool. So I was thinking, well, I have like, three. I know three. I, have, I know three. And I sat there thinking, what's that number four? And I tried to come up with it for myself and I couldn't. Before you bring it in into uh, light here, I like the idea that you had three, saw an article that there's four. Yeah. And then now you're going with that four. Um, when I read it, I didn't like it, but then I watched the movie again and tried to make that one work. And I think it works better than any of the others. Cool. What is it? And this is why, Dean, you have been made co-host. This is why I've been made co-host? Well, this is one of the reasons why you're the co-host. Okay. Because your take is the take. Your initial take is the one. My initial one. I think he's, I think he's dead. Cool. I think he does die. Yeah, I think so too. Now, this article didn't get into any of the reasons why. So while I'm not going to take credit for your, for find, figuring out your take or this other person's take, yeah. I did find numerous things in the movie to support this take more so than any of the other takes. So this is my take. I believe Jack, who gets shot at the beginning of the movie, gets shot and dies. The rest of the movie are his dying moments or thoughts that he confusingly creates in order to die with a happy ending. Yes. His brain is frantically coming up with a happy ending, and then he's required to fill in the gaps as he can to believe that it's true as he dies. For sure. Now, I have a list of things here that support this, in my opinion. Perfect. So we're going to go through them. Okay. Number one, the kid who shoots him at the beginning of the movie. That is Bobak. Whoa! Whoa! It's, it's the same kid. Whoa. Is that like it's, that's the it's same kid? The same actor. It's Bobek shoots him. That's I know it. Like it, you don't even need more much more than that. What's happening? What's happening right now? Oh my goodness! Oh my okay. goodness! It's over. Flip the table. <laughs> it's over. It's over. Done. Podcast over. Did you spilling my eggnog? It's Bobek. It's Bobek. Settle down. Was it really the same actor? Yes, it's the same actor. <laughs> Fuck! I know it's Bobek. Sorry, I just lost Kay. my mind. I know. Well, you did. I'm going to edit all that out. Oh my goodness. Um, oh my goodness. Okay, obviously, this this thing that was weird already, his quote at the beginning of the movie. I was 27 years old the first time I died. Yeah. Yes, I agree. You were 27 the first and only time you died. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. Side note, I was 27 years old when I saw this movie for the first time. Jeez. Did I had you, to look that up. Was that was the I, first time you died? Yeah, that was the first time I died. Oh man. The first time I watched wow. this movie. I'm glad you're still here. I die every time I watch it again. Well, and, and so I'm just going to get in the way of your points here, but... What I brought up earlier where he says everything was white when he got shot, like everything was darkness, but they showed a clip of a graveyard in the snow. Yeah. So everything was white the first time he died because he was dead. Yeah. Yeah. Also, another thing, too, is the very first scene after that is him walking the street in Vermont where it's covered in snow. So he could already be processing this story in his mind for sure that he died and then everything was white because he's starting this story of him going back to his going back to his home and starting this process of of what the movie is okay he's lying dead on the table in the medical tent the medic looks at his chart and says there's no family listed that seems really odd yeah why wouldn't you have a family Bob X shot him (laughs) Tim, Bobak shot him in the face. 
<laughs> oh, I thought you meant Bobak shot the rest of his family. That's why he doesn't have a family. Sorry, I can't get past that first point. Bobak shot, shot, shot him. Bobak shot him in the head. That kid couldn't talk until he helped him, and he shot him. No, I know it's that's just, different. It's just, fast, it's just he's he's he sees this guy who shot him, oh. and that kid becomes part of his story, and a kid that he helps. Yeah, amazing. Eh? So I don't think I can get past this. Like you, can, you just keep <laughs> going. You just keep going. I should have saved that for last. Don't throw anything because the way that I'm listing these is chronologically in order that they for happen sure. in the movie. For sure. Okay. So he has so anyways, no family. He has yes. no family. Yes. Um. Yeah, I just thought it was odd that why wouldn't he have a family? For sure. Because yeah. he comes back in in the movie. He comes back and he goes back to Vermont where he grew up. Yeah. Where is he going? Yeah. He's seemingly going home, right? He, well, has, he has no family. Why would you? Well, he never makes mention of anything that's happened to his family. He's never said like, "I don't have a mother. I don't have a father." He's never said anything like that. So you're right. Why wouldn't he have? have it a seemed family? odd. It's. Just, I mean, it that could one's be, that one's it, a, could be. it could be real. That one's a bit of a stretch, but it just seemed odd that he has no family. It could be, but in a movie like this, yeah, you would probably draw more attention to that. Like you'd probably not just say it one time in a courtroom. Like yeah. you'd actually go into something about it like and oh. he, even later he says he has an uncle right i mean he's just making it up but he's like yeah. I'm, I'm his uncle but what? also jackie whose mom dies like in that moment he could be like oh yeah my parents died too or, yeah. or whatever like he would have something to say but he has nothing to say about yeah. losing a, a family member it just seemed odd yeah okay the song he hums in the jacket okay, that little yeah that little ditty yeah. he hums yeah. oh i can't wait for what you have to say that takes him back to his childhood that is the actual music that is playing in basically every scene he's in with Jackie. Hmm. It's just, it's like, it's like if you were to hear that music and then to hum it, it's the same, it's the same song. Makes me think this is a song from his childhood. Yeah. But he's using it. Yeah. In his final thoughts in this narrative that he's creating. Yeah. yeah. In the scene that takes place in the future with Dr. Beth, Dr. Becker. It's 15 years later. Yeah. These characters look exactly the same. Oh, they totally They did do. not age at all. They, totally they did not try exactly to age the them. They look exactly the same. Exactly the same. When he encounters... Here's another... I mean, we talked about this before. When he encounters Becker in the future, Becker ends the conversation by saying, We're all, we're dead, all dead, Jack. The characters' names. Yes. Jack. I wanted to get on this. Jackie. Yeah. Gene. Who is also... He's, John or Jack. He's in a jacket. Yeah. The jacket. And then on the other side, we have... You've got Bobek, Becker, Beth. Easy names that you might come up with in a frantic situation trying to create names for characters in a story. Totally. Right? Jack, Jackie, and Jacket, like, was one of the tip-offs for me. Yep. Uh, He keeps getting this head trauma throughout. Like, he can't escape this head trauma. He initially gets shot. Remember, then when the cop shoots him, hits him in the exact same spot. Then he falls, hits his head, has head trauma in again. In the same spot. Yeah. And then the way the movie ends. So when Jack and Jackie are together in the car, it abruptly ends with this weird black or burnout effect. Mm-hmm. Like something was like, almost like the lights were being shut off. Mm-hmm. Like you're getting knocked out. Yeah. Or in this case, dying. Yeah. Or He's I- made his happy ending. That's it. Yeah. That's the end of it. Have you seen, have you watched The Sopranos? Yes. So yeah. the whole thing about the Sopranos is when you get shot in the back of the head, yeah. you don't know it. It's just you blackness. Go. You, don't, you, go. you don't even hear it. That's what it would look like. You're just out. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened here. Yeah. After rewatching it and noticing these points, that is my take. I that's think my take Jack too. is dead. He gets shot at the beginning and dies. 
And that, I, I like the movie even more now. Oh, totally. That was my take coming into it. Then you threw me off with this based on a real person. <laughs> um, but that is 100% everything that I thought. Yeah. And it, it, it is great with that take. It's kind of... It, it still is great with that. Yeah. I, I mean, if, it, if you don't have that take, there are loose ends. Yeah. Like there are... If he's actually traveling in time and in his... He's actually in a mental institution in the main storyline when he falls and his hits his head why are they putting him on a slab right. in a in a straitjacket and pushing him into a morgue drawer while he's bleeding out right like, it doesn't make any sense i mean it, it sort of makes sense because beth trusts him for this information but i mean the whole idea of time travel is uh, hard, uh, hard to swallow that but she's a medical professional I know. she'd probably call somebody i'm with you yeah but yes that is the take that made sense to me um just knowing that Bob shot him is the number one thing. I did not notice that at all. I and have seen that movie so many times and only like I watched it. I rewatched it a couple times for this one. Yeah. But with this new narrative that he's dead from the gunshot, I noticed the guy who shot him was Bob And I was like, oh, my goodness. Well, there it is right there. You know what the crazy thing is? I was looking out for this while I was watching this movie. Yeah. I was looking out for characters that are in his storyline that are just look a little slightly different, but they're played by the same person. So that scene where he's, they're in like the circle and everyone's sharing their story and it's Daniel Craig's, um, the, uh, observers. Um, I thought in that moment, there might be some patients that are actually nurses, but then when yes. I like rewound it and stuff, yeah. I was like, well, it's not true. They just yeah. look kind of like them. So I was on the look for things like, Characters yeah. who are playing two parts, I did not get this at all because it's the start of the film. The other thing too, which makes it even worse, is I'm pretty sure if you listen closely, you can hear the mother calling, like screaming Bobek while he's doing it because she doesn't want him to shoot him. So it's but there's so much chaos going on totally. that you don't really pick up on it, but you can actually hear his name, and his name is Bobek. It's crazy. Alright. So 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 he helps out Bobek in his little narrative. He has a side little narrative of how a child who grows up in a horrible situation can still be a good person. Yeah. Like it, it, it's, yeah, that's what it is. He's a good guy. The take is the take. That yeah. is it. That is what the movie is. I don't even care. All right. I came into this saying there's four <laughs> takes to this movie. You can pick whatever one you want or well, whatever. You can. You can. Four. It's what, nope. whatever works for you. Nope. It's that one. Because like that I said. The, Tim, nope. That no, is no. the one. No, it's not. In, in, nope. in 2005 to 2007, I liked another one. And nope. that's, that's what worked for me. It was wrong. <laughs> you were dumb. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one. This is the one. Don't make me demote you back to guest okay. co-host okay, sorry. or whatever uh, I call you. Can you. People, you can have whatever take you would like. <laughs> if you didn't have this take, you are not dumb. I take that back. All right. Well, one last thing to do. Oh, I forgot. What if? Why do I always forget? <laughs> do you always forget what if? I always forget that what if is a part oh, of the show. Okay. Well, it is. Here it comes. I said there were four theories. What if I was actually able to come up with a fifth? Okay. I thought the what if was just going to be, what if there was a fifth? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but you actually have it. That is the what if. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's it? Just what no. if you had a fifth? No. Okay. What if I did and I do? Okay. What is it? <laughs>
Okay. Yeah, I want to hear this. I'm Here very go. interested in this. Here we go. I'm not just going to brush you off like All-Star yeah. Superman. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Okay, hold I, on a second. Okay, what, I, what if is about us just like speculating on ideas and having a conversation. Yeah. It's not about shutting down my what if as yeah, garbage. Yeah, I just want to pause and say <laughs> oh, no, I, I have listened back to the All-Star Superman episode <laughs> and your what if was actually dynamite. That was a great what if. We should have had a 15-minute conversation on it and I just shut it down because I subscribe to the Church of Grant Morrison and I will, ne- I will never say that anything he's done is incorrect. But in listening back to that episode, you had a fantastic what if. So I am sitting here with an open mind, Tim, <laughs> to hear your what if, and I, I am ready to talk about it. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Thank you for saying that, Dean. <laughs> yes, I just try to do these so we can have an interesting I am, conversation. I am ready. I am open-minded. This doesn't mean that whatever my what if is becomes canon. <laughs> I know. I know. Okay. I'm sorry. That was, the All-Star Superman what if was so great. It, it was, was good. so good. No, it no, was it, so it was fine. I realized where you were at with that, and I was just, I was not going to try to push that one very hard. But what if? The hospital is purgatory, and Dr. Becker is using the jacket to get the souls where they need to belong. So purgatory, the condition, process, or place of purification or temporary punishment in which, according to medieval Christian and Roman Catholic belief, the souls of those who die in a state of grace are made ready for heaven. Let me say one thing. I struggled a bit with this because purgatory always involves fire. It's it's a fiery place. Is it? Yeah, it's always okay. supposed to be okay. like contain there's always supposed to be fire involved. Okay. So I was thinking if this hospital is purgatory, you know, where's the fire? Where's the fire? But then I thought obviously if the director is meaning this as purgatory, he's not going to have a fire somewhere because that's too obvious. It's mm-hmm. too blatant. Mm-hmm. So what could there be? I noticed that as Jack walks in to the hospital for the first time, the floor is red. Cool. And you get a shot of his feet walking on the red. And that's my fire. Like, I... I yeah. The, the ho- in the hospital, you do see the red floors after that. It's very weird because this hospital is completely white Except for these totally brilliant red floors, which you probably didn't even notice. I didn't even notice. I did not even notice. I didn't notice either until I was looking for this. But I found he walks into the hospital. And they show his shoes. Or purgatory for the first time. You see his shoes walking yeah. on a red floor. Why would they show his shoes? Why would that be a shot? This isn't just a makeup for All-Star Superman. I'm so into this. <laughs> Tim, I am so into this. He says we're all dead. Yeah. Be- Becker. And he has this focus on these three patients that he wasn't able to help. Like, he wasn't able to get them through whatever this purgatory was. He didn't get them to the place he thought he was supposed to get them to. Uh, I'm, I'm down with it. I, I kind of like it. I kind of like it. Like, I don't know where it where it stands with the whole... I guess it fits with the whole he's dead all along. Like, it fits. It kind of just maybe places Becker in a little bit of a better light. So So, so it fits, but it's also way different. Because, it is way different, yeah. Because the one that we subscribe to, the 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 answer of the film, is that Jack dies and he's creating everything in his mind. This other this this fifth take is that there is a place that Becker is kind of running where he helps people get to where they're supposed to be. 
So that's totally different. Yeah. Right. He, it is. Yeah. It's out of his hands in yeah. this point. And it's just this doctor trying to help people get there. And he says that Becker says we're all dead. It still fits with that. Yeah. Right. And it still fits with him being upset about patients he couldn't help. Right. It still fits with scenes like where they pan over the gravestones of Jack and uh, Daniel Craig's character. What was his name? Rudy. Rudy. Yeah. They pan over Rudy and Jack's gravestones that are right next to each other. Like, why would these two gravestones be next to each other? That's showing us that Rudy is dead as well. I mean, that I don't think I even noticed that. that yeah. Rudy had a gravestone. I rewound. I played. I couldn't even read it. Oh. I rewound and played again. I was like, cool. who's Ruby? Oh. I went on IMDb. <laughs> oh. I looked at the character. Oh, it's Rudy. Yeah. Rudy's gravestone is right next to Jack's, but it's in the future. So. Mm. Okay. So Rudy's like time of death is like 2003, something like that. Like date of death on his gravestone. But he's dead. Like, so when we're, when we're looking at all this, th- this graveyard, that's apparently right next to the hospital. <laughs> Why is there a graveyard right next to the hospital? Well, maybe, is it right next to the hospital? It's right next to it. They walk right from there to back to the hospital hmm. and Rudy is right beside him. So I'm kind of totally down with this fifth take. I think you should write the guy who wrote that there's four takes on this movie. And let him know <laughs> there's a fifth. fifth. Yeah, he'll be really excited. I like he, it. he probably wrote it in 2006. <laughs> right. So he'll be, yeah. He'll be so we'll See if he's even alive anymore. <laughs> he might be in purgatory. He might be. I like it a lot. Um, why would they show a shot of him walking on those red floors? I didn't even notice the red floors. You don't because it's meaningless until it, it meaningless. means something. And then it yeah. means everything. Because this this Becker thing is kind of one of, the, one of the things that throws me off a bit. Why he says we're all dead. Yeah, it's a very... It's weird that Jack, a character that he made up in his head, would would confront him and say we're all dead. Yeah. It's weird. It seems it's, like he's his own character knowing that they're all dead. Yeah. It's a line that really stands out as why is he saying it? Yeah. Through the, throughout the movie. That we're dead. Well, yeah, I, I, I like it. Um, Because it's also... It also means that every character in this, like that we're watching in sort of Jack's time, like main timeline are actually characters. They're just in purgatory. Yeah. Right? Like, so Beth is still a character, and she's still trying to help patients get to their their proper ending, and is not sure if Becker's doing the right thing, but he is still totally on board with what he's doing, can get some patients to the right area, like, can get them to where they need to be. Yeah. I like it. All right. I like it's great. Thank you. Thank you for that. I like it, too. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, Do you have anything extra? No, no. Okay. I don't... I usually don't come with a formulated opinion. I it's usually, all on me. Well, usually, but I, I, yeah. mean, I, I usually try to formulate the what if, and then I try not to think anymore about it. Right. I try not to even formulate my own opinion on it. Get into a and discussion. I always like it. to see where you go with yeah. it and then, you know, add anything I can. But I like it a lot. I would say if like there's, it. if there are five takes on this movie, my one is that he dies the first time. Number two is purgatory. Right. And then the others can fall. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, Thank you, everybody, for listening. We hope you enjoyed. We will catch y'all next time. That's it for another episode. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you'd like to drop us a line, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as TalkBackPod, or by email at TalkBackPod at gmail.com. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews will help more people find Talking Back. All right, that's it. We're done.